Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Does your insurance agent treat you like family? Insurance Corporation is programmed to build interpersonal relationships with members of family units. We communicate on a four-name basis with all customer numbers. Only a human who knows you can create a plan that's right for you. That's why for more than 80 years, Farm Bureau Financial Services has built relationships first and plans second. It's your future. Let's protect it. Talk to a Farm Bureau agent today or visit fbfs.com protect. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, GEICO can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners' or renters' coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Look, my day job as a firefighter is tough, but my night job as a social media manager, my Persian cat Jinxie, that's intense. It's 8 p.m., I've finally gotten home from another 24-hour shift, and I just want to kick back with a cold one, but... Old Jinxie knocks my beer right off the counter and gives me that look that says, no drinking on the clock. But Heineken Zero Zero keeps us both happy. Zero alcohol, but just as refreshing. So I get my drink and I can still work on Jinxie's new line of merch. Heineken Zero Zero. 0.0% alcohol. Now you can. Must be 21 plus to purchase. Enjoy responsibly. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. 
When I clock out of the hospital at 6 p.m., I'm not done for the night. That's when Gamer Nurse 40 clocks in, and she's got orcs to slay. Sure, I'm playing a 13-year-old in Scranton, but he's a level 53 mage with a filthy mouth. So I need to stay on top of my game. What'd you call me? That's when I crack open a Heineken Zero Zero. Zero alcohol, but just as refreshing. So I can focus on stealing his gold before his mom tells him it's bedtime. Take that, kids. Heineken Zero Zero. 0.0% alcohol. Now you can. Must be 21 plus to purchase. Enjoy responsibly. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the fighting. It's episode 66, season 8 of the Fighting Cock Pocket. 66 in one season. It's a bit ironic that, you know, West Ham and 66. Oh, oh. Yeah, I a bit, of, a, bit of, a bit of poetry there. I just kind of figured that out as you said it out loud. Yeah. Uh, but the fact that they even claim that as a, a fucking thing is embarrassing. And I think yeah. West Ham generally have made, and it kind of shows the difference in levels between Tottenham and West Ham is when they kind of, their, their tentpole moments are tiny bits of history that they can take. A, a scintilla. I like that word. I don't hear it enough. What, what does it mean? A little that, bit. A, a, little... a scintilla. Yeah. That's good. S-E-I- uh, I'm going to spell it. <laughs> <laughs> you bowled it. Halfway through that, you probably bowled yeah, it. Yeah, I realised. Uh, yeah. <laughs> At this moment, you fucked up. But they, they, take, they take these tiny little moments as, uh, as massive things. Yes. And as annoying as it is, losing to West Ham in our new stadium, being them that do it, it's a kind of, it's not even a footnote. It's, it's just something that happens. I just thought it could have been worse. In, in what respect? It could have been worse teams to have lost to. Like Arsenal, Chelsea. Yeah. yeah. Arsenal. Or Liverpool. Or Liverpool. John Bass, big John Bass. All right. Back again. Yeah, word up. Uh, we've got Flownisville. Hello, you know. hello. Uh, John, I didn't realise <coughs> in the uh, the 30% Telegram group yeah. that you do accents. Yeah, do loads. Do you? Yeah, got loads. So, my, my go-to is um, Lenny McLean, the governor. You know, Lockstock. That's quite niche. Barry the Baptist. Yeah. Yeah, that's my favourite one. Go on. Say, t- talk about um, battering a West Ham fan in... <laughs> I've got to do the face as well. So, what you do, right? You go down to the new lane, you see a fucking West Ham mug, you grab him by the fucking throat, and you strangle the little cunts. Okay. (laughs) Pretty niche, but um, yeah, it's a good one. If if you could, throughout this podcast, break into different (laughs) Every so often. Every so often, like, without. without That's like John's thing now. That's his his legacy. He's like an unpeeled onion, isn't he? Every time you pour a layer back, there's something else he can do. Yeah. I'd love to see him make love. Just to see the, the <laughs> Doing the Lenny McLean. Yeah. And do that to Hello, darling. Hello, babe. Hey, what you're going to do now is you're going to bend over <laughs> and let me fucking smash you yeah. up. <laughs> I'm going to fucking throw a can of beans up your ass. <laughs> I don't know what that means. It's uh, funny. I, I'm expecting when, when we go to Amsterdam in a couple of weeks that. Uh, next week. Is it next week? Bloody hell. Yeah. That um, John will be with us and uh, we'll walk past the guy in, in the street and he'll go, do you want, do you want an education, boys? <laughs> and we go, yeah, yeah, like an education. We all walk in, and John disappears and ends up on the stage as, as a performer. I could, I could, <laughs> yeah, I'd be all right. Do you reckon? I'd be, yeah, I'd, I'd be happy with that. I sort of feel like that's pretty much what's going to happen. That I'm going to end up coming, like becoming one of Holland's like most like popular entertainers, and never come back and just live a lovely life out there. How would the uh, missus say that? Do you reckon? 
Um, she'd be all right. I think she'd be quite happy if I didn't come home, to be honest. <laughs> you were living, living the dream. Yeah, too many nights of doing Lenny McLean when we're in bed. So, so <laughs> <laughs> She looks at you one night and goes, please. Just, just, one, once, just don't do it. Just do your normal voice for me. Just, just be John. <laughs> please. <laughs> uh, something else has happened in Amsterdam. Um, David oh, Alfie Ward. And Carl Donnelly. And Carl Donnelly are doing a, uh, a, a stand-up show for Spurs fans. Uh, on the day, if you want tickets, you can get them from uh, David Alfie Ward's Twitter account. You can see the link. We also retweeted it last week. Go to David Alfie Ward on Twitter and uh, cop a ticket because it's going to be very funny. And it's a great way to start the day. So if you're arriving in Amsterdam in the morning and you need something to do, you're not sure where Spurs fans are going to be, there's going to be plenty in the comedy club in, in Amsterdam. Like I say, go to David Alfie Ward's Twitter account and you can cop a ticket there. And what's great about that is it's paying for... David Alfie Wards and Carl Donnelly's trip. Perfect. So what you're doing is you're funding their bit, which is a lovely thing, I think. Yeah, that's a nice Spurs yeah. fan too. Yeah, absolutely. We've got, got the social as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. So what So what happened was that so many people weren't uh, couldn't get a ticket for the, the home game. Obviously, 50,000 season ticket holders bid. But there's tons, like me and my brothers. We, we went into the Wheel of Doom last week, tried to get a ticket for Ajax, just couldn't get in and, and didn't get one. So we just thought, why not give a or create a place where Spurs fans can watch it together in London, even though it's a home game. So you can get your tickets for the home game. That's tomorrow. Which is tomorrow. As it, When this comes out, if you hear it on the day of the game, you can uh, and you, you, you don't know where to watch it, then you can come watch it with us at the EV Bar in Suffolk. Or Su- is it Su- Suffolk. 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 Suffolk's uh, really quite far away. Yeah, that's, that's miles away. It's definitely not in Suffolk. <laughs> yeah, six uh, Yeah, Waterloo uh, or Suffolk. 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 Um, Savage, you fucking mug. Yeah, you f- <laughs> I love that so much. Uh, yeah, come come and watch it with us. Uh, it's five quid on the not on the door. You got got to get the tickets before. Uh, it won't be like a massively popular, like huge one. Most of the people are going to the game, but I think it'd be a good place to watch us uh, do acts in the first leg. Um, okay, let's. Uh, oh, so you you guys went to the game. I tried to get a ticket for this one, couldn't you? How? Did you feel on the moment of full whistle when when West Ham had done what they'd done? Decide. Did you watch this game? Did I you? did. Yeah. Did I you watched all of it? You didn't. You had a beer at half time, but went back and got. I, I had a normal beer at half time. Yeah. And, and I watched it. Um, I don't know. West Ham really did raise their game, and we weren't at our best. It's just one of those things. It just felt flat from from the from the opening whistle. Um, a lot of players were just below their best. I mean, when the final whistle was for, oh, fuck it, it's got to be them, but mm. the way the stadium is now, they're not in our faces. So at the old place, the away fans were next to, you know, our hardcore Bart Lane fans. Mm. So I probably felt it a bit more there, but when they're at, like, when they're miles at the other end, and I didn't see any of them, well, to be fair, I stayed in the stadium for a bit. I didn't see any of their fans. It didn't feel as painful, just annoying. Yeah, how, how have you found that change where the away fans are not near where you're sitting anymore? Well, I've had, had a year, had two years of it at Wembley, so yeah. I'm, used, I'm used to it now. Um, I mean, someone put a picture, I think an Arsenal fan put a picture that, oh, you know, look at them, they're celebrating the Spurs fans' faces and there's nothing coming back. It's full of kids and old women, you know, I mean, what do, what do you find? Spurs, well, some dentures at them. So, yeah, hang on a minute, the amount of teams that have, like when, when Palace were going mental at, at their gaff, I didn't see any Arsenal fans fucking climbing the stewards and trying to get a palace. No one does. That's a stupid thing to say. Well, yeah, no, I just think it would have been a different reaction if it was in block 35. Yeah. At the, at the old place. But um, it's just annoying. It's, it's annoying 
Delusional, but in the, in the broader context, at the time, it felt a bit more terminal because, you know, if Arsenal and Manu or Chelsea had won their games, yeah, it would have been a lot worse then than it was. We'll come on to them yeah. for sure. Um, did you ever think that Mark Noble would put out, pull out a fucking world class performance? It was one of the most complete midfield performances I've ever seen from a midfielder. I'm not just sort of blowing smoke up his ass because why would I? Mm. He was fucking incredible. The thing is, we like. I think all football fans, but especially Spurs fans, like to kind of like beat Noble with the "you never got an England cap" stick, and it's quite fun because he's kind of there. He's one of their own, and like they love him, and they they kind of see themselves like embodied in him. But he is a decent footballer, and on an occasion like that, where it's a big game against what he would consider to be like his biggest rival, he can step up. And I, I thought he was really good in the game. And to be fair, I thought like second half particularly when we were tiring and we were running out of ideas, and our squad is like threadbare, they they played well second half West Ham and we just couldn't really like come back with much. And it was the classic case for me, like as soon as we got to half time we hadn't scored with the chances that we had, mm. I was concerned and I was thinking to myself, this is going to be very difficult now to get something out of this game. And ultimately they just came on and like they were up for it. Mm. And it's just one of those games, it's really difficult to take. And basically as soon as the final whistle went, I was out of there I didn't want to see their horrible little faces getting all happy so I've got a a really terrible habit of about a minute before full time goes just turning the telly off so I don't have to experience any of it (laughs) Um, but it did kind of it did keep keep, I'm I'm very good at getting over defeats Mm. but this one kept coming flashing back in Mm. my head and knowing how much they wanted it and and, and, you know sometimes you just have to take your medicine sometimes and you realise that probably over 90 minutes West Ham deserved the result um did you have any issues with the team selection? The, how we set up, given our injuries, and you know, did did we set up how you expected us to? Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, Vertonghen was out of the squad. So obviously, he had an, an injury. Um, Delhi didn't train, so I was surprised to see him play later on. I mean, there's a game on that showed that he probably wasn't 100 percent fit in mm-hmm. the game. But we've got so little options now. There's not much we can we can really do, and I think Walker Peters is done. It must given, be, yeah. I, I, like how you pay Foyth there, and and I get that Foyth had a good game against Trippier. He really, uh, sorry, against Man City. Yeah, um, and he contained Sterling because essentially he is a defensive midfielder. Yeah, uh, sorry, a, a centre back or a defensive midfielder yeah. potentially. But playing him as a wing back is a contained move, in my opinion. Yeah, and didn't necessarily have to do that. And when we asked him to go forward because our kind of wide men play or our um, fullbacks play so forward. That when he did, he was kind of so slow. The, st- the kind of static nature of his play yeah. meant that there were huge gaps for him to exploit. And uh, um, is it Anderson, Anderson Silva, yeah. sorry, Felipe Anderson, Felipe, Felipe Anderson just got so much space down that left hand side. It was unreal. But that's why, to be fair, that's why I thought Foyth was picked because I think he looked at what he'd done against Sterling uh, in that game and thought to him, okay, well, Felipe Anderson is, is one of their most consistent danger men. Maybe that's why Foyce is in the squad. But the problem was, as the game went on and we were trying to get forward, we just didn't have any width. Mm. And it was really weird to watch because as the game was going on and even when like Janssen came on, so you're playing essentially like two, which is a mental statement. When, when you've got two strikers, you would be thinking at that point, OK, well, you need a bit of width. Mm. And we just weren't getting it. Rose was sort of tucking in, which seemed to be like part of a three-man midfield at certain points. And Foyth was narrow, so even if that was the game plan initially to stop him, once we were behind, you'd think, okay, well, he's got to come on, and he still didn't bring him on. Mm. So, yeah, I'm kind of in the camp now of maybe he's just getting bombed. So, yeah, and it would be a shame because Mm. I feel like there's definite potential there. I I find it difficult to second-guess Pochettino. He knows more than we do, but it seemed like, certainly in the second half, they're kind of crying out for a 
fullback that was going to get forward. Yeah. And the whole weekend was somewhat saved, wasn't it? Because while losing to West Ham was pretty bad, um, we had uh, that, that game. The, 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 so basically, what happened was we we'd lost to West Ham, and I'd made I'd come to the conclusion that we I'm not watching any more football. Yeah. The rest of football doesn't exist to me. Just get through it. Look forward to Tuesday against Ajax, and it is what it is. Then we've got a message in the WhatsApp group saying uh, Arsenal had gone one nil. No, no, gone down to ten men. And I was like, yeah. that's fine, ten men. That's fine. My brothers posted they'd gone down one nil, and I did the the mortal sin. I turned it on. Classic. And I thought, you know what? Fuck it, don't matter. I just need this. I need it. Surely, like, given everything I've witnessed of a West Ham game, that I'll have this. And uh, I broke. I, 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 I kind of put it about ten minutes before. Schmeichel played one of the best long balls I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> it was just like a missile that went over to uh, Vardy. And I'm not sure who the defender was. Is it Koscielny? Yeah, if he no, came on. I think it was Mustafi. I don't know if it was Mustafi. Him or Socrates, Socrates, one of the two, because there's them to that plane. The ball, the ball came over and he like lunged for it and Vardy got it, dinked it over Leno, came off the bar and he scored. But if you looked at the whatever defender it was, who he just gave up completely. Yeah. They went 2-0, 3-0, and I thought, yes, it's absolutely saved. This is beautiful. And what happened afterwards was, if you watch Arsenal fan TV, as I do every time they lose, <laughs> um, there was a great video with uh, Ty and yeah. some young um, some young dude. Arsenal geezer. And uh, we'll just play this for you now. We do, we do not deserve to get in that top four, do we? Of course we do. If Tottenham are there, so do we. No, but we don't. Do, why, how do we deserve? We do. They're better than us. They are better than us. They're in the Champions League semi-final. Yeah. They are, aren't they? And we beat them 4-2 and we should have ripped them at Wembley. No, but overall this season, we are not better than them. Let's be, let's be right. Let's... It's a great thing. It's a really, really great thing when, when they lose a game. Not only that, they've lost three on the bounce. They've conceded nine in, during that, that period. And it just shows you how much of... I, I wouldn't say even difficult, how many teams are just willing to throw away opportunities. <coughs> and it, it's just 90 minutes, and every game is a game in itself, and teams are not throwing this away. But so fucking grateful to Leicester yeah. and Wolves and Palace for this. I mean, uh, did that help your weekend at all? Yeah, so I, I basically made a vow after the game uh, Saturday that Sunday was not going to be like full up with football because obviously we hadn't got the result we wanted enough for. The last thing I need is seeing those other teams get the points that, that they needed to get. Mm. So I left it, went out to the pub, and I was with my best mate who's a United supporter, and he was like, oh, later on, can we like watch a bit of the United-Chelsea game? And I was thinking, oh, God, I'm not really up for this, to be honest. But all right, so we're having a bit of lunch, all going through and I thought oh, I just couldn't help myself I've got to check what the Arsenal score is mm. bring it up 3-0 <laughs> and I was like right drinks in let's get the Aperols going come on let's have it uh, got absolutely smashed up ended up going to a pub to watch the United game and obviously I'm running through all the different scenarios kind of willing United at one stage to kind of win it and actually a draw kind of pretty happy pretty good result for us as well so it was a pretty nice day all round yeah well it's out in the end yeah it was lovely Flicks and Tricks on Twitter he says Spurs have won 10, uh, 10 points since the 10th of February win versus Leicester and we're still third how the suffering fuck has that happened to no fucking it's idea. mad it's a it's mad season the thing is at that point we probably like could have won the league <laughs> and we just dropped all these points since then mm. and they got like three other teams that are equally shit in the bed what is it then? Is it is it, is it the kind of the the barometer that's been set by Liverpool and Man City is so great that actually I have no fucking I can't explain it because they, they've they've kind of run away so obviously that no one can catch them but it ain't like 
we the the the, the last the other four teams in that top six aren't throwing away points left and right. There's, I can't. I, I can't explain that. I mean, Liverpool could get what ninety-seven points and finish second. Mad. And and you can see that for, for, for maybe for Spurs, Chelsea, and Arsenal, we've had Europe to contend with. Spurs especially because we have huge games, and I think motivations are key when going into that game against West Ham. Obviously, they're gonna they've got everything they need. They've got the storyline written for them. Be the first team to beat Tottenham at their new stadium. Be the first team to score a goal against them. They've got nothing left in this season to play for. This is the, a massive day for them. And not even kind of not even on a condescending level. It's it was it was a great opportunity for them to have a, like a decent marker at the end of the season. For us, you're kind of looking at that game and thinking, well, we need the points to f- qualify for the Champions League, but we've got this fucking huge tie where we could get to the final. Mm. So you, can, you can't blame the players, as much as we want them to be professional, you can't blame the players for kind of focusing on this game. And it kind of felt like there was a lack of focus somewhat. Um, but the rest of them, really, I can't... Yeah, it's weird. I'd, I'd say what with United, they were miles away. Then they had the Solskjaer lift, which then kind of brought them back into the mix for top four. And I just think that maybe there's the kind of new manager lift has just like gone, and now they're back in the mix of kind of inconsistent form from their like star players. I'd say with like Chelsea, the whole like Sari ball experiment. I don't think they're particularly playing for him, so they will beat teams that they're better than on their Sunday day. Sunday fans hate them as well. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think there's this weird feeling in the dressing room because their players historically, if they want a manager sacked, they just play bad enough for long enough and he goes. So I think there's a little bit of that. Um, I don't know, and it's weird with us. I think we we've got a lot of injuries, so our like squad is very thin, and we've got massive games. Hmm. And it must be it must be difficult for a player if you're thinking to yourself. We've got a, like, a thin squad. If I can stay fit, I'm probably playing on Tuesday against Ajax in a Champions League semi-final. Mm. Shall I go full whack into this tackle with like Mark Noble? Yeah. Probably not. No, so he's, gonna, he's got like nothing. Like, he's got that that moment that yeah. for him. But for, for for a Spurs player, I, mean, I, I think all of them know that a potent, uh, an injury to any of them that would affect us terribly. Yeah. So, so the problem with that now is that. <clears throat> We've got to play four pelt against Bournemouth. Yeah. When we've got the Ajax game a couple of days later, so yeah. we kind of shot ourselves in the foot yeah. by not by not winning the West Ham game. Because if you win that game, there's less draw. pressure. There's less pressure on the following game. Yeah, we've got four games. Uh, sorry, four points to re- required uh, to secure, secure third. So that's a, a a draw against Bournemouth or a win. And who's that last game? There's two Everton games left, mate. Yeah, what did I say? I thought you were going to say there's a third game. No, 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 I'm just saying. Like, so we've got Everton at home who kind of turned their form around. That's yeah. not that's not a bank. We need we definitely need to win against uh, against Bournemouth. Yeah, one hundred percent. I've got a ticket for that as well. Somehow, it's pretty bad. I feel a bit guilty. Right. Someone I know, uh, he's basically said I've got two. We can't go. Do you fancy it? And it's such a difficult game to go to. Like loyalty points, are like five hundred and four points or wow, something crazy yeah. like that. Um, but. I've never been, so I'm going. Oh, mate, do it. I went. It's good fun. Is it? Nice little grounds. Nice area. Yeah. Nice people. Tottenham have played 54 games this season. Kane, Son and Ericsson and Delhi have started just 10 of them. Yeah. It's just been it's just been one of those seasons. Um, we've got two windows of us hunting anybody. Then we've got an injury crisis on top of all that. Um, we let Dembele go. And could have probably done with him on Saturday, even if it's just for an hour. Mm. Um, I mean, Kudu wouldn't have featured anyway, but he's gone. Mm. What what do you, what do you think of Lucas Norris's performances in the recent kind of month or so? 
Windy was quite happy with them against Man City. I don't remember him playing. Yeah. So I, I, don't, I don't know if it's me watching football wrong or... His ability to pick the ball up in a <clears> difficult <throat> situation and find space and take pressure off is, is excellent. Yeah. Obviously, the end product is coming because of the goals that he scored. I think he's on 10 this year. Um, he's become an important part of our, our squad. I feel like he's the focus that's been put on him is he's, is that he's nothing more than a ball carrier. Mm. And... I mean, he needs to show a little bit more. As much as I rate him and enjoy watching him, I, th- I think he's done all right. I mean, I think it's it's a bit like the whole like Lorente thing. When players like aren't expected to play every week, and then all of a sudden they're thrust and they they've got to step up, we do then start judging them by the standards of the players that they're taking the place of. And you know, players like Son, for example, when he's come in for Kane, he's been brilliant and he's stood up to the test. But when you've got more having to come in and deliver consistently consistently kind of week in week out I think that we then start judging him to a higher level but I think he's done alright and I think that this this whole injury thing um, I don't like making excuses for, for the way that things happen mm. but I do think if you if you look at any top side if you take out you know their three best players like if you look at Liverpool and you took out that front three that they've got mm. if they lost those players even one of them or two of them for long spells like we have like they wouldn't be in the position they are in. City are in the freak position that when you take out top players, they've got other top players that would get in every other side. So that's a bit different. But yeah, I think the fact that we haven't had those players in 44 games... That's mad. ...is and mental. Not, not even just them. Like, so Sofo has been missing the yeah. last couple of weeks. We know how good he's been. He's saved us, really. Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. um, Dahl has been injured. <clears throat> not playing well since he's come back. But Nyama... Yeah. He has not had the form of his first season either, so it's been tough when he got Winks, who's now got to have surgery, so I think he's going to miss the rest of the games this really? season, so oh. it's been a whole catalogue of those, really. We've got uh, the biggest game in, in many years against Ajax uh, at White Hart Lane on Tuesday, and to, pre- to preview that game, we spoke to Andy Brassel, who, if you don't know, is like a fucking genius for European football, so that's what you're about to hear now. Hi Andy, how you doing? Yeah, I'm good, G. Uh, really good. So, Ofe, we were just talking about you, you going to Tottenham to interview Sissoko uh, for a piece for TV. What what, what was that like? And, and w- w- was you surprised, given the fact that a year ago he, he probably shouldn't even been playing for Spurs, let alone, you know, becoming probably one of the most important players that we've got this season? What, what, what was it like walking into that, knowing that you go and speak to Musa Sissoko as opposed to Harry Kane or Christian Eriksen? Well, well, it was interesting because I, I do think he has been one of the key figures of, of, of Spurs' season, um, especially as the, the, the season's gone on. And he's had a weird old career, if you think about it. I mean, he's been tried in so many different positions. And really, I think you can argue that only France and Didier Deschamps have only have really valued him for, for what he is. He's been a go-to for, for Deschamps uh, for, for a while. Um, he didn't end up being in the, the, the final team in, in the World Cup, of course, but he's really, really important in Euro 2016. And interestingly, what he was saying about Euro 2016 and you know what a big tournament is for him, I mean, it sort of put a different slant on his initial struggles at, at Spurs because he said to me that he found it... Um, easy enough to settle because he was already used to England and a few French-speaking players at the club, etc., etc. But he was just exhausted after Euro 2016. And um, he arrived having done no pre-season, um, basically. And I think that's often overlooked when people look at the fact that he really struggled to adapt at Spurs, not just that there wasn't really a bespoke place in the team for him. And I, you know, I think like with most players, you know, there are... Um, 
areas that, that, that show off their good points and other positions that, that, that show off their weak points. And, um, you know, it, it has taken a while. If you think, like, if you go back to when he was at Toulouse, for example, in France, he was used as a defensive midfielder, wide midfielder, even a number 10 for a bit. And then he ends up playing in different positions in the in the Premier League. And it, it all takes time. And I think he's only really found his his place with Spurs in this last season or so. But, you know, it's been worth the wait. You said you, that managers didn't know what he was or how best to use him. And you mentioned the amount of players, uh, amount of positions that he's played in throughout his career. It, this mm. this year, he seems to have staked his claim for uh, in central midfielders at box-to-box midfielder. Uh, yeah. Do you think that's his best position? Yeah, I, th- I think that makes sense, uh, to be honest. Or, or um, I think arguably you could use him in a in a three-man midfield if if you've got really attacking fullbacks. I think that would work as well because you know he's he's not someone who's got a trick or can get to the byline. What he is is an absolutely incredible athlete, and in that sense, he's he's built for the the, the Premier League. But as you were saying, um, that box-to-box role. I mean, covering ground is, is what he does best. He's still running when other people are on the floor begging for mercy. So yeah. I, I think it's, it's it, it is worth considering that aspect of him because, I mean, I went to see um, Aston Villa um, play Newcastle on a Tuesday night just before tra- January transfer deadline, well, probably about, thinking about it, probably about six years ago now. And that was Sissoko's Premier League debuts. A debut and it was one of the more accomplished Premier League debuts um, that I've seen. I mean, they've brought in a couple of new players because they were plateauing under Alan Pardew and even slipping down the table. And um, he was a big part of the, the, the team that steered them away for the bottom. I mean, they signed him for one and a half million pounds, for goodness sakes, because he was running out of contract. But the way in which he adapted so quickly, I think, is a, a representation of how well he is suited to, to English football. But I think if you, you look at Spurs especially, that team is, doesn't really change that much over the last couple of years. Obviously, a lot has been made of their transfer inactivity. Um, but I think what that also means, as well as a, a team that's very tight-knit and knows each other very well, sometimes it can be difficult for for new players to come in and, and make an impact. Lucas Moura, Lucas Moura, for example, is a player who I always thought would A, suit the Premier League and B, really suit Tottenham. But it's, it's taken a while for him and he's been sort of dripped in to the, the, the team incrementally and now we're starting to see the, the best of him on a, on a slightly more consistent basis. I think with Spurs, it, you know, I, I don't think you can say that the, the transfer policy um, is, is completely down to this because, of course, it's got to do with uh, the, the club not massively wanting to spend money. I think it's got to do with money going into the stadium. Uh, Pochettino having a very specific idea of the sort of player he wants, I think, is a big part of it as well. Because um, you know, it's, it's not just a case. Even if they had all the money in the world, I think of Spurs going out and buying just a great player. I think it has to be someone who really gets it because this team is you know, a million miles away from Spurs teams of the past. It's, it's got a really, really strong identity and a, a really strong template. And I think for a new player, that can be quite difficult to, to fit into. It can take time. Uh, let's move on to the IX game. Obviously, hu- a huge game. The last time we previewed a Champions League game with you, it was the Dortmund one. And you said at the time that you thought that Spurs had more than enough to get through that tie. 
Um, you talked about the defence's frailties and and the fact that they're playing players out of position and that, that in the second leg when we went to Dortmund that they would have to play ball-playing midfielders in, in their defensive lineup, and that came to the fore as far, as much as I understand. Is there, is there any, any such frailties at Ajax? Is there a discrepancy in the leagues? And are people reading too much into the victories against Juve and Real Madrid? Would... There's, there's a definite discrepancy in the quality of the leagues. I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. And I think if you're judging Eredivisie clubs on the Eredivisie alone and Eredivisie players on the Eredivisie alone, that can be problematic when translating it to the Premier League text. But on the other hand, I think we've seen enough of Ajax in the Champions League. And remember, this campaign started all the way back in July of, 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 of last year. To say this is a team that likes Burn in a way, really knows its collective identity and really knows their individual jobs as, as, as well. Um, I just think his first leg is absolutely vital simply because, and you mentioned it there with the victories at Real Madrid and Juventus, I think you take it back to the, the second group game when they played Bayern Munich away and they scared the hell out of Bayern Munich. Um, they went there with absolutely no fear. It was the first time this season they played with Tadic as a number nine. Now, of course, it, he's said time and time again, he said to me after the first leg against Real Madrid that you know I prefer to be a number 10. But... It's really worked for the team and it's a real challenge for opposing defenders to you know, know whether to come out and come after a, a guy like that, especially one who's got such a, a fantastic touch and is able to, to drop out and, and, and make the passes. I, I think the, the, the thing is, when they got to the Europa League, under, uh, Europa League final, sorry, under Peter Bosch, um, they rode the crest of this incredibly emotional wave of home performances. So when they played Leon, when they played Schalke um, in the quarter and semi-finals, they were brilliant in Amsterdam and they nearly managed to chuck it away in the away leg. Now that's completely changed around when you look at the knockout stage of the Champions League and you know they've, they've played with real liberty away from home. And it's not just the results, it's the way in which they've done it. It's the football in which they've played. It's the confidence with which they've played against the very best teams, which, you know, Tottenham deserve to be among, um, not just from this season's Champions League performance, but last season's Champions League performance, give or take, what, 15 minutes in the second leg against Juventus at Wembley. Um, and that performance at, at Bayern Munich, which shook Bayern so much back in autumn that I mean, they, they looked a bag of nerves for the next three weeks in the league. So that really has is shown how they can come to the biggest teams, to the biggest stadiums in Europe and dictate terms. Um, you know, and it's, it's something really special. So for, for me, Spurs will be strong favourites if they can get through this first goal. I think that is a big deal. And I know... Ajax aren't considered on the same level as, as, as Manchester City. Um, the bottom line is they've been much better than Manchester City in the Champions League this season, but that's a different discussion. I think they have to, Spurs have to approach this in the same way that they did that first leg against Manchester City. Because if they can just keep it tight, chip away, maybe nick a 1-0, but not concede a goal, I think they will be in a very good position to, to go out and, and complete the job in Amsterdam. And especially, they might have one or two players back by then. Yeah, definitely. Well, Vertonghen and Sissoko are back in training and should be able to play tomorrow night when, when we face mm. Ajax. Um, they've got a very young squad, 
average age, uh, which is incredibly young. And, and that is something you can expect from my ex because they've always been that way. They've always been about youth development and how they managed yeah. to continue to churn out the play. Like, I don't understand, Andy, and probably you might, you might know a bit better than me, and you certainly will, is, is how they're, what, 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 what is it that they're doing at youth development level and why haven't other clubs like Spurs or, or any other been able to replicate the conveyor belt of quality that's come out of their academy? It's insane. You just look at Tottenham's first 11 in the last... 10, 15 years has been <laughs> steeped in IX quality. And now they've got Delict, they've got uh, Van der Beek, Frankie de Jong, who's going to Barcelona. You know, this for, for a team the size of IX, in, you know, in, and you're talking about the size that relatively in Holland, they're huge, but in terms of the European stakehold, they're, they're not a ginormous club. You've got Delict, who's been rumoured to be worth 70, 80 million. Uh, I think De Jong has gone, was it 60, 70? 75. 75 yeah. million. And obviously Van der Beek has played himself into form this season. Also very available, valuable. And the goalkeeper as well, Anana. A young goalkeeper yeah. who's, who's had an incredible season as well. Um, out of all of those, actually first, what, 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 what is it do you think about the, the, their philosophy at youth level that enables them to continue to produce these world-level stars at a club in Holland, which is maybe the sixth best league in, in Europe? If that, I think we can say. And, um, you know, part of it's tradition. Uh, you know, if, if we go back to you know, when you first absorbed football as a kid, uh, I, I think for, for, for people who are over 30, uh, Ajax are one of the first clubs you become aware of um, because of the iconic strip and because they've been producing players you know, for 50 years now. So this is something that really, if you take it all the way back, it actually goes back to coaches goes back to Jack Reynolds and Vic, Vic Buckingham, um, you know, between the first and second world war in the case of Reynolds and then getting on post second world war with, um, Vic Buckingham in the case of Vic Buckingham, uh, his second spell wasn't nearly as successful as his, his, his first spell at Ajax. But on the other hand, he did give Johan Cruyff his, his first team debut in 1964. And from there, uh, they go on to make Ajax one of the predominant teams or Cruyff goes on with, in, in hand with Rinus Mickles to make Ajax one of the most prominent teams in 60s and 70s football. They export that philosophy to Barcelona. So um, Ajax is not just about producing players. It's about um, producing players under a philosophy, which uh, is not just important to their identity. It's important to Barcelona. It's important to the, the, the whole... Um, identity of uh, European and world football. So producing players for them is is, is, is a way of life. It, it, it predates the current global football economic conditions. But I think you have to look at the fact that, as you said before, how things have changed, how they are, in global terms, not one of the richest clubs any, anymore. Um, I, I mean, the thing is, I, I spoke to a couple of people at, at Ajax in, in, in the last 10 years um, for, for, for various bits, and both Brian Roy, formerly of Nottingham Forest, when he was the, the, the second team coach there, and Frank de Boer, when he was the, the, the head for, the coach of the first team there, they said, well, they, their job has really changed because now they produce players not just for Ajax, but they produce players to be ready quickly for the first team so they can sell them. That's what they need to do. Um, and what it means is as well, because players get bought earlier by the bigger clubs, it means the next generation 
have to be ready quicker. They have to be ready to get in the first team quicker. And of course, I think if you know you're talking about the AX players who've ended up in the in the Tottenham team, they need players who are physically stronger than before as well. So not just technically smart, not just mobile, but because ultimately you want to sell your players for the most money possible. You want to sell them to the Premier League because those are the clubs that that have the most money. So this is what Ajax's production is about, but we can't overlook the fact as well that what they've got this year and what they will not have next year is an absolutely unbelievable generation of talent as well. Yeah, it's lovely. I've got a massive affinity of Ajax. I really, really love them. I love like, I know Spurs and Ajax have had this thing, a kind of unspoken friendship, which kind of dates back to our rivalry of Feyenoord and all of the trouble that happened between our two clubs and obviously Ajax and Spurs mm. adopted each other as off the pitch friends you know, where, where, when it came to facing up the, the rather rugged and rough gentleman from, from Rotterdam. <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, you know, there, there, this, this friendship that does exist between the two clubs is going to be tested somewhat uh, during, during the, the, this semi-final tie. Um, I just want to quickly talk about um, the, the, their star players and how much potential damage they can do to us. You talked about Ajax players having to be ready earlier than ever. And you've got Matthias De Ligt, who was... He's 19 years old, was born in 1999. Can you believe that? Um, <laughs> and you think of the two players that we Spurs could have bought, either Sanchez or De Ligt. You can understand why Sanchez was probably given the nod because of his size and power. De Ligt, as a ball-playing centre-back, is, is something else. How good is he? And how do we negate him um, as Van der Beek and uh, uh, De Jong? What, what, what do we do to stop these players? Um, I, I think you're right. The list is incredible. But nineteen-year-old, of, of course, he's a he's a real talent as well. Um, but the, the fact is, when he made his international debut for the Netherlands, he was 17. Uh, it was away in a qualifier against Bulgaria. He played four Eredivisie games, and he looked like it. He looked terrible. And going through those tough experiences allied to his natural talent has been what has made him become a leader so quickly because that's what he is. He's not just a fantastic player. He's a proper captain and uh, and leader of, of of that team. I'm really interested to see how he matches up against Fernando Llorente, assuming he starts the game because uh, Llorente's got an enormous amount of experience and he's, he's kind of an anachronism, I think, in the back end of the Champions League. You don't get many of those sort of old-fashioned centre-forwards there. So that'll be something that'll be quite different for uh, De Ligt to, to deal with. Um, the midfield's an issue, really, isn't it? Because you're, you're right. Spurs need to make sure that Ajax can't advance and, and, and press so much. Um, I think that it's really important that they manage to keep some sort of hold. What, or, what, uh, sorry, uh, sorry to cut you, Andy. What, like you're talking about press so much because most of the people listening to this won't know much about Ajax. What, what is their strongest attribute? Is it is it their drive and, and, and willing to run the extra mile and press where others can pass them? It's a big part of it, and you know they 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 like to press quite high up the pitch. Um, but what they what they do as well is they have. Um, I guess a, a, probably a slightly deeper set midfield than you would traditionally expect from a Dutch team because uh, Van der Beek is is in front, and then you've got uh, De Jong and, and, and Schoener a, a little bit deeper. So I don't think they can be allowed to have time on the ball. Really, I think that's the most important thing because if De Jong gets time on the ball, then 
acts and dictate the rhythm of, of, of how the game goes. So I think Sissoko with his hustle could be quite important in, in that sense. I guess it remains to be seen who else is able to, to, to line up with him. Uh, I think that's very important. Um, I also think you've got to look at how much their fullbacks attack and think that they've got to be some space in there. There's got to be some space in there behind them. From that perspective, it's an awful shame from a Tottenham perspective that of all the players that are missing, that Son Hoon Min is, is missing. I, I think that is a big deal for this game. And that slightly restricts Tottenham's ability to, to get into those spaces. I, I guess Lucas Moura is the one who's most obviously the one who could, could pick up the slack. And uh, give us your prediction, Andy, uh, as a man who has no skin in this fight. Um, uh, how do you think this, this tie over two legs will, will go? What's your prediction for the game? I think, I think Ajax will get a draw from this first leg and I think they'll score as well. I think it's going to be a 1-1 first leg. Maybe Ajax to edge the tie overall, but it's, it's, it's really, really close. You're not supposed to is say it, that. Uh, I know. <laughs> yeah, so you've just said that Ajax are going to beat us on my podcast. <laughs> look, look, you can edit it out if you want. No, I haven't got time for that. I'm going to put it out as it is. I'm just letting the people who listen to know that I'm not happy. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do think, like I said, that it's, it's incredibly... For me, the key is Tottenham getting out of the first leg with a good window to... Let me tell you, Andy, uh, Spurs are going to win 6-0 on aggregate. <laughs> OK, right. Noted. Noted. I'll put some money on that. <laughs> Thank you so much for speaking to us, mate. My pleasure, as always. Cheers, man. So Pochettino made a quote after the West Ham game, and he was talking about the, uh, the feeling around the club being completely different than it was after the Brighton game. Obviously, going into the Ajax game after the defeat to West Ham, the kind of feeling around the club isn't as good as it should be. Um, what, what did you make of that quote, John? I mean, it makes sense, doesn't it? Like after the Brighton, it felt like a big relief. It felt like you know things were in our hands in terms of like top four qualification. We needed to get a result against West Ham, we'd have been in the box seat. As soon as you don't get that result, then obviously it starts to become a little bit of a negative feeling, and then suddenly everyone's that little <clears throat> bit more tired when it gets to kind of end of a game. Everyone's feeling their legs a little bit more, etc. Mm. So. Yeah, I can understand it, but it's one of those that you hope the sort of uh, gravity of this game gets them back into the mood for it because we're going to need to dig in now. Like, really, this this first leg particularly, we're going to have to do a bit of a tactical job, I think, on Ajax because they're going to want to attack and we're going to have to be up for this game. So hopefully they can like, get the mood back into where it needs to be. Vertonghen's back in training. So is Sissoko. Vertonghen will start, but Sissoko, Pochettino is unsure. Um, both are cr- crucial, absolutely yeah. crucial. Oh, they are now, yeah. Yeah, T, how do, how do you feel? <coughs> what, what's your gut feeling going into the game against Ajax and the overall tie? I think the fans will carry us tomorrow. Um, I think the fans will be the most important thing. Sometimes when you haven't got, and it's like in any sport really, when the fans are pushing you and you find an extra 10% to push you over the line. And I, I think that's going to be one of those games, if to, one of those kind of games tomorrow night. It's just be like a war of attrition mm. as such. I think we'll do enough. I think we'll. I think we'll get the win, but it's not going to be easy. Um, you know, I mean, someone mentioned on the Telegram group today. Actually, you know, Danny Rose's passing is so wayward, mm. and the way Ajax counter attack, that could be an issue tomorrow. But 
I think tomorrow will just be like a more of a guts, more of an Alex passion game. Yeah, one hundred percent. And yeah. if Daniel Rose does play, he's got to be as a fullback. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. This little experiment of playing in <coughs> in central midfield, whilst it's fun, like, and I quite enjoyed it when there wasn't so much hanging on it. <laughs> uh, in the bigger games, it's it's not really working because his passing is that bad. So yeah, let's hopefully we we'll see him at fullback. <coughs> Brighton Cock is backed by Fansbet. If you enjoy betting at football, then why not sign up for an account with them? Half of their profits go back to projects like the Fighting Cock and good stuff in the community as well. So if you like a flutter, uh, we post special offers on our Twitter account before every game. And uh, yeah, sign up. And when you do, uh, select the Fighting Cock in the drop down. Uh, it's fansbet.com. Uh, Kane no longer wearing a protective boot. So this is the idea that he's going to get back for the Champions League final. Should we get there? Jeez. Yes. What? What? So if we somehow get there and the form's great in the next two or three weeks, like in Kane's fit and fit in inverted commas because we've done how fit he can be, what do you do, T? We've been asked this a few times on on, on Twitter. Um, if he's fit, then I think you've got to roll the dice, haven't you? It's either him or, or Llorente up front. <laughs> so, Jansen's not um, eligible for the Champions League, so we can't have oh, him. Fuck. So, um, yeah, I think if he's if he's fit enough, he's got to play. Actually, today, in the press conference, I think Lucas Moore gave an interview and he intimated that Kane might be ready for the second leg. Jeez. Potts quickly slapped that down. <laughs> Sorry, who did? Lucas Moore? Yeah. What, what, what did he say? He must have said, oh, you know, we hope to have Harry back. Oh, and I think Potts just said no mate come on calm down well yeah apparently so um, the the kind of like press were looking at Potts Potts looked to um, Jesus Perez and Perez just went no chance and everyone's like cracking up so who knows who's telling the truth but yeah if he's fit if Kane's fit he has to play he does what do you think of the kind of <coughs> discussion around the fact that we may be a better team without Harry Kane no <laughs> yeah I concur no one genuinely <laughs> believes it do you? The fact that we we got form with him not playing shows how good a squad we've got. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that you don't play a thirty goal a season striker if you have him. Yes, that's I it. Think, really. I mean, we're not better without him. We can survive without him. Mm-hmm. But I think mm-hmm. someone like a Christian Eriksen would be a bigger loss in terms of how he affects the way we play. Yeah, I think it's just one of those weird things when, uh, like Kane first started doing what he was doing, and then people were were saying, "Oh, you're nothing without Kane." Yeah. Now we've proved that we're actually decent without Kane and we can survive without him. Suddenly it's like, oh, you're better without Kane. Mm. It's this weird sort of like trying to drag us down with anything they can grasp at. Yeah, because I tell you what though, sorry, Son was quite off colour against yeah. um, West Ham and against, really... um, and against Brighton. Mm. So odd. Yeah, he looked it, like he was, was carrying there. a knot to me. Like he was, looked like he was in pain when he was walking slowly. So he was all right when he was in sort of like a sprinting mode because your kind of adrenaline's up and you think you've got a chance. But when he was like walking back, for set pieces and stuff, he looked really uncomfortable to he, me. He loves to score against West Ham, and mm. I think that partly that's probably why he didn't play so well on Saturday because mm. he always scores against them. Yeah, but on Saturday he looked like maybe trying a bit too hard. Mm. So we needed him to play <coughs> ninety minutes, given the fact that he's not going to be playing on Tuesday. Yes, so it's kind of one of those things, isn't it? You see, you see the uh, comment from Pochettino about Lamella's injury. Bit of a weird one, wasn't it? So to read it, or you're going to be okay? I'll give it a go. <laughs> Him, his family, us, the club, everybody. We feel very sad about the situation. He is very disappointed. In the end, it's only a situation that, that we can be strong, thinking, and try to find solutions and help him. It's weird, kind of. It's not. I know he's been perpetually in, injured under Pochettino. Mm. Yes, and there's been massive personal issues. But he did have that kind of renaissance a year or so, uh, or so ago. He came back and he was playing his part. I wouldn't say mm. he was incredibly valuable 
But the kind of reaction from some Spurs fans on Twitter, actually, Bardi went doubly in. Yeah, like, Bardi went in. Hates him. It was like one. He says he's the worst signing we've ever made. Yeah, that's a very one-sided poll. That was a that was a, a madness statement though. He doesn't actually believe he's our worst ever signing. Says pound for pound. Yeah. Well, Janssen cost over half that amount. It's sixteen million, right? And it, take. I suppose in the in inflation, it may be a little bit less than that, but. Mm. I think, I think it's very, very hard. Yeah. I think mean, he's given some good times. He's like record signing. Still? Well, he was. Joint with so, so, no, 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 Sanchez. Sanchez uh, yeah, I think it's it like that, the way that that's worded, granted, like, you know, his, his uh, grasp of English is not sort of like the, the top level potch, but that does sound like it's pretty terminal in terms of his career, almost. Mm. It's like the way he's like, included his family, like, that makes it seem like everyone's devastated by it because it's probably the end of your career at the top flight. Mm. I feel like for us, it's not great because we're obviously not going to get a return on that investment. Um, like just being harsh about it, we're not going to get another player in um, to, to kind of switch for him. And he's not really ever going to get to what we wanted him to get to. So we're kind of stuck with him now. And if we can ship him out, we're going to lose a load of money. So it's, it's not an ideal situation. So now he's got him. left on his contract? No idea. No idea, yeah. When, do you remember the last time he signed one? Nope, I'm not good at remembering these things. Yeah. What? That's I, your thing. I don't remember people signing contracts. Right. Left <laughs> that's where you draw the line. Yeah, that's what I do. But, um, but no, I think, I do think we have to get rid at this mm. point now because you just can't rely on him to stay fit. It's not because I think he's a bad player, but against, um, on Saturday, we could really have done with him. Yeah, absolutely. That intensity, you know. Um, and even against Brighton, the, the game before. And it's, it's not a lack we have, of... We're, we're to get by with Janssen. It's not a lack of will why he's not playing for us, though. His, his body's broken down. Well, no, yeah. but it's, it's cut foot at the top level of football. Yeah, we can't, yeah. can't nursemaid him. I mean, I'll forever remember him, not for the Rabona, but for the, the performance against Arsenal and winding up Jack Wilshere. Yeah, that, stepping on Fabregas's hand, that was quite nice. All that sort of stuff. And, and, he's, and he's kind of spite in that Chelsea game with the Battle of yeah. the Bridge. Yeah, but if that's, if that's your legacy, then it's not... A, not it's, it's amazing as fans, but if that's your legacy, then... You know. mm. Yeah, I, I mean, the whole thing's been a bit of a disappointment for everyone. He's obviously, uh, there's no way that he's sitting there going, oh, I'm glad I've been injured and missed all these games. Yeah. But he's obviously gutted it's not worked out the way that it's wanted to. It's not worked out for us. We're going to have to sell him and lose a load of money. It's a sad situation, but I just think it's one of those, you know, it happens with clubs. Like, it yeah. made sense at the time and it hasn't worked out. It's a shame, but he's, he has got to go. Yeah, 100%. I'm not sure how, how we get rid of him there. Um, no, I just a kind of mutual termination. Yeah. We'll, we'll find him, mug. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. Fucking, promoted team or something. Yeah, like a fucking Fulham will pick him up as a part yeah. of the Sessegnon deal. Well, I think he'll leave the country. Just get out. Yeah, yeah, he really does love Spurs. I love seeing him play for another Premier League club. Did you see the article by Matt Law, uh, Martin Yole interview? I did, yes. What did you think Behind of it? Behind a paywall. It was good. Was it? Well, Telegraph, you've got to pay, haven't you? I think you get one read free, which yeah. is why, how, how I got to see it. But some kind soul on Reddit put the... Copied it all down. The Telegraph are delighted about that. Well, <laughs> they want to hear this podcast, so there we are. Yeah, maybe. No, they won't. All right. But no, it was, it was a great article um, talking about the depth of his love for Tottenham, the club and the history, and you know, how he was a big fan of Timmy Greaves when he was a kid. Didn't, yeah, know, he, didn't know half of that stuff. No, I didn't know that. And I didn't know that he, he, he supported Spurs. He had a Jimmy Greaves shirt yeah, when yeah. he was six years old. Didn't know that. No, I didn't know that. That's I, great. I just thought he kind of loved us because we had a good kind of three years together, not yeah. because he actually had an affinity with the club. Um, and he still got his house in Chigwell, which yeah. is where we used to train. He said he, he just can't bring himself to sell it, which is a, a, a lovely thing. Yeah. I, I think the, the, if you look back at Martin Yell's tenure at Spurs, it was the start of something 
better for Tottenham. Yeah. He did a great job and got us from kind of not just like a joke of a club, like trying over and over again to find the right manager, getting Santini and it all going tits up. And I did have one misgiving, and it's about what you've just said of Santini. Yeah. Yeah. They said he came in a crisis. Was it a crisis? We, weren't, we were playing awful football, we weren't bottom or anything. Just, I think it was a crisis in the fact that Santini just disappeared. Well, the players didn't like him. Yeah, but the, the Santini was... He just left. He was like, couldn't find him, didn't know where he was. Okay, I, so didn't, know, I didn't know that. I think that is a crisis, pretty much. Yeah, and I think also... Is a bit he was, sorry, yeah, sorry. In, the, in the article, it seemed like he was signed because of that, whereas I'm pretty sure he was the assistant manager. He was the assistant manager. Yeah, Anderson brought him with him, didn't he? The assistant to the... No, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to the general manager. <laughs> but yeah, so he, he was brought in as assistant. I think because um, Santini's English wasn't that great, so mm. you always kind of brought in as, as like Mourinho at Barcelona. Mm. Um, obviously, this article was written on the eve of our, our game against Ajax, and obviously you managed them and his Dutch himself. But the way he talks about the two clubs, he's very much a, a Spurs, Spurs fan. Or, or kind of Spurs man. Mm. But I think that, that ties into this uh, whole idea of you know the Ajax and Tottenham connection. And he's a kind of perfect embodiment of that. Like There is this kind of, I don't know, this kind of strange connection between the two clubs that, yeah, he's a, a perfect kind of example of why that exists. And yeah, I've, I've always got a soft spot for Yol because I think you're right. I think it was maybe a crisis of identity. Like Santini's football was fairly pragmatic and, and fairly gross and and Yol kind of brought this a little bit more kind of excitement around the club and I think it was um it was a good period and it was really kind of good that he left when he did because we ultimately have gone on to what we've gone on to but I was really sad at the time for him and I really felt gutted for him because if you remember it was that game where essentially everyone in the stand and at home knew he was getting sacked yeah Yeah. it was horrible Um, one of the interesting things in that article was the he talks about going to meet Newcastle about the, the the kind of job there so he he spoke with um, what's his name Freddie Ashley, Shepherd. Mm-hmm. No, it was yeah, it's Freddie. Is it Freddie Shepherd? Yeah, who was friends with Paul Kelmsey. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and just that <coughs> complete coincidence, Kelmsey was in the hotel room next to the one that Yal, while being the Spurs manager, was meeting with Freddie Shepherd to potentially take over at Newcastle. And because of that meeting, uh, he got a better contract from Levy. That, that that was kind of what he was aiming for. And he kind of talks about it very flippantly, but that doesn't sit well with me mm. massively. I'll forgive him because, like, I'd love him to be my dad. But other than, other than that, more so, a, more so than Poch. No, definitely more. Not, not more so than Poch. Like Poch, like Yol's household would be like, like porn and like gear and weed lying about the place. Like it's good to grow up to a certain extent, but eventually you need stability, mm. and then you kind of tra- transcend into a terrible psychedelic spiral where you're, you're fucking things that you wouldn't otherwise have yeah but with Pochettino it would be like get to school get your homework done wash your penis yeah I feel like Yo would be the sort of dad who wouldn't really be around for you but once in a blue moon on a Friday come home with fish and chips <laughs> and then be going yeah we've got a chippy tea here got, yeah, got some Mars bars and all I, I love you dad 23 year old blonde girl yeah yeah, yeah I love you dad I, I still love the fact that his brothers are called cock and dick that's amazing. Wow. That, do you know that? No, that's cock, amazing. Cock dick and then mine. mine. <laughs> it's great. We've got some questions. Dan the Yeard on Twitter he says, How do you feel if Spurs let a team score like Leeds did today? Uh, is it the cor- correct thing to do or Villa just mugs for not playing till it whistle? So everybody knows what's happened, surely. I should hope so. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what's your <clears throat> your quick take on it? Uh, I saw it. I thought it was absolutely mental that Villa just didn't just foul someone, put someone in the air when they didn't like kick it out. You should play to the whistle. I definitely, if I was Leeds, I would have just stood firm and been like, nah, fuck yeah, basically. 
about your team? Uh, I mean, it's Villa's, it was Leeds' player that was injured, so the onus isn't on... No, Villa stopped, because I think Leeds no, kind of stopped no, as well. No, 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 it was, it was Khadija. Yeah. So, so, so what happened was, just before this massive thing happened, uh, Villa had kicked it out for a Leeds player. Oh, OK. Then game resumed. I didn't see that. Yeah, the game resumed, <coughs> and then Khadija went down injured. Khadija, so by the way. Khadija, sorry. Khadija. I believe that's it, yeah. Yeah, Khadija went down injured. And there, uh, Leeds, it fell to Leeds the left back and he put it down the wing, but like half-heartedly, like he was going to kick it out, but he actually meant it. Yeah. And obviously Leeds went away and scored and Villa, fan, Villa players went mental. But as you say, you have to play to the whistle. It's not up to players to stop the game. Yeah. So the, the goal should have stood. Leeds shouldn't have given it back to them. Yeah. And that, that, that's where I'm at. If it was Spurs, I wouldn't. I, I would have been happy with a goal and fine with us scoring and I wouldn't have given it back to them. And what I loved about the Leeds defender... There was one of them that was like, I ain't having it. Yeah. And he yeah. tried to kick him up in the air. Yeah. And some, even the Leeds players were like pulling him off and going, what the fuck are you doing? But he was just like, no, this is bollocks. Yeah. I think considering the promotion race, that was a brave thing for them to do. Well, Bielsa made the decision. And now he's, they, he's they, mad. Yeah, he is. I kind of love him though as well. Now they've got to play each other in the, um, in the uh, playoffs. playoffs. I'm a bit disappointed with the two teams that have gone up so far. I know. Yeah. So, so, like, no, it's just underwhelming. You know, I mean, there might have a few fans listening to this, but I'd rather have someone new because I think they're just going to get slapped straight back down. Yeah. They've, they've spent, I listened to our talk sport on the way over, they've spent four million and three million respectively on their squads. And they've made money because Madison said yeah. it was so they will get, like They will get smashed up like Huddersfield have if they don't well, spend money in the, the summer. Sheffield United have made their entire, they don't have a single foreign player in their side. They're all made up of Scottish, English and Northern Ireland. Oh, I like that. I fully approve of that. Yeah. Brexit yeah. FC. But absolutely. Yeah, mate. yeah. They're, they're kind of, they, they should be the kind of poster child for yeah. Brexit. Um, absolutely, 100%. But I'm not sure that, that carries you through. So we'll see how. I hope it does. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. They, yeah. Like, they finish third next yeah. season, like yeah. properly, like yeah. The Blades for Champions League in two years. Yeah, yeah. Here first. Come on, you boys. <laughs> Come on, you Sheffield boys. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking Blades, the savage. Can you read uh, what, what's your other thing, Jackson? <clears throat> um, I can do the. So they're all niche. Uh, no, but do one. I can do the paedophile from Family Guy. Brilliant. Can do. Can you read Football Blades <coughs> UK Twitter? Or, or There's not many S's in there. What do you need S's? Well, because it doesn't look whistle thing. What would you choose something else then? Okay, uh, what, what do you want? Um, Jamaican. Oh, for God's no, sake. No, I can't. I'm not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do it in American. Go on then. Uh, you can only guarantee one win. The home game against Ajax giving us the edge to make the Champions League final or Bournemouth securing Champions League football for another season. The game you don't pick doesn't mean we lose it, just that it's not guaranteed to win. Who you picking? Football Flags UK. Yeah. And that was Football Flags UK Twitter. All right? <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, I was listening to the accent, didn't listen to the question. So you answer it, so I know what's going on. Ajax. Ajax is the one. Yeah. You've got to pick one game to have a guaranteed win. Yeah, Ajax. Ajax or think. Bournemouth. Yeah, yeah, get big. We're gonna, we don't need a guaranteed win against Bournemouth. Ajax, or even a 1 0 guaranteed win, I'd take that. Yeah, because. The that, thing is, it's not gar- you can still draw. I mean, it doesn't mean you lose. It's mm-hmm. just. Exactly, he's put the, the fact that he's put the caveat of the game you don't pick doesn't mean we lose it. That for me is like we could go into that game anyway and win that game. So you've got to go for the Champions League, haven't you? Yeah, absolutely. At this stage, absolutely. Uh, Jimmy Warner on Facebook says, "Is there anyone worth signing from the relegated clubs as a backup to our squad?" Sasson Young. Yeah, uh, Mitrovic. I'll take Mitrovic as well. I'll take yeah, both him too. Who else is relegated? Um, 
Well, Cardiff looked like they're going down. Huddersfield, no one. one. Maybe Moy, but he'd be a, Ar- a massive backup. I would take Aaron Moy. I would. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd take it like £10 million. Pound. I'd definitely take Aaron Moy. How old is he now? Because he's not that old, no, is 26, he? 26, 27. He looks, like, he looks like the Night King. Yeah, he does. <laughs> I probably shouldn't say that about you know, Game of Thrones stuff. Yeah, yeah, no, I don't mention too much because I haven't seen it all. Um, yeah, no, I'll yeah. take Aaron. I was going to say the Night King plays for Huddersfield. <laughs> Doing a good job in Central Mid in the Championship next season. I'll take uh, Sessegnon, Aaron Moy, and Mitrovic. I'll take Mitrovic. Yeah. about from Cardiff? Is there no one? I'll, I'll take Alfie Mawson as well. Really? Yeah. Why? Really? I think he's all right. He I, was all right for a while. He's in, in, a little bit injury prone, but I, I think there's like yeah, definitely. Like if if Foyt's good enough to play another defensive mid, uh, centre back pair, and then uh, Mawson is. I'll get Warnock him. Watch yeah. out, Warnock in. Yeah, yeah, mate. Go for it, mate. Yeah. Uh, who, who was the other team that went down? Huddersfield, Cardiff. Fulham, yeah. and, and I know. I don't. Even, I couldn't even tell you a player from Cardiff. Genuinely, don't know one. Hoylets many years ago, but not now. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, good shout. Okay, uh, that's it from the Fighting God podcast, and uh, we will see you on the other side of the Ajax result. Come on, boys. Win, lose, or draw. Come on, boys. Let's have it. Come on, boys. Smoke on a pancake. Cock, cock, cock. Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. Sports Social Podcast Network. GEICO asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, GEICO can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. 
Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.